Hey guys, welcome to episode 77 of So What Else. I'm your host, Caitlin. So listen, typically So What Else is a story-based podcast, but as you know, sometimes we have, you know, some kind of special different types of episodes. So way, way back in episode 12, I shared my own personal story of my struggle with an eating disorder, which then kind of catapulted us into like a mini series, like a segment of So What Else, where we talked about my eating disorder. We had an intuitive eating dietitian on. We had a body image counselor on. We had an author of Breaking Free from Body Shame. She came on. We had an intuitive eating reflection episode. So this is now our sixth episode of that theme, right? Of talking about food and eating and body image and things like that. Okay. So today I am so excited to have Alex Turnbull on the podcast today. You know her from Instagram as The Family Nutritionist. She has like 170,000 followers, so she is legit. She knows what she's talking about. She is amazing. So many of you have reached out to ask questions about kids and like what does all this like intuitive eating stuff mean for kids and how do we, you know, help make sure that our kids are getting the nutrition that they need without being overly restrictive with them. And Alex and I have such an amazing conversation about that today. But listen, this conversation is not just for parents, okay? This is for anyone that interacts with children ever. So if you are a teacher, if you're a volunteer, if you're a grandparent, an aunt or an uncle, anyone that interacts with kids, if you plan on having children one day, this is such a good episode for you because we talk about so many things about just like the way you should talk about food with kids, dessert and what place that should hold in their life, snacks, uh, just so many things, how to let our kids have some autonomy and some choice while still not letting it be a free-for-all because we are the adults and we're in charge. There's so much good stuff here. I learned so much from talking to her. I absolutely loved her. I know you are going to love it too, so stay tuned. Alex, welcome to So What Else. Thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, so happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to get chatting. Yes, it's like I'm fangirling a little bit because it's like I have (laughs) followed you on Instagram for so long. So to me, you are the family nutritionist. Like that's what your name is. You know what I mean? So I had to look it up. Like what is her real name? Like I'm sure she has a real name. Yeah, no, that's funny. I had my first like public encounter actually of like, oh my gosh, that's the family nutritionist. Like this last weekend and I was like, Oh, this feels weird. I just feel like a regular person. I don't know. That is amazing. So for people who don't know, you have like 170,000 Instagram followers. How did that happen for you? Like, how did this get started? (laughs) Good question. Um, It's kind of a whirlwind and just kind of crazy. I never, ever expected this, but Um, so I have a five-year-old. Well, she's going to be five in, um, next week. I have two kiddos, a three-year-old and a five-year-old. And when my daughter who's going to be five, when she was starting solids, I was like, so I'm a dietitian just Mm -hmm. to let you know, but I was like, I don't know how to feed my daughter and I'm a dietitian. Like what the heck? How do I know how to feed myself? And I'm always working on that. Mm Mm-hmm. So I started researching it and then I started taking pictures of her food and posting it on my personal Instagram and people started enjoying it. And like, you should do this more. So my friends and family were encouraging me to just, you know, keep doing it. And Mm -hmm. then 
all of a sudden it turned into this platform and now it's a business for me. So it's, it's been crazy. It's been fun. Been a big learning experience. That's for sure. I bet. And listen, like I have followed you for a while and I, I love your account so much because I can be very, very wary of like mom Instagram accounts or like mom podcasts and things like that. Because sometimes there's this like undercurrent of like mom shaming, like, you know what I mean? Or it's just like bossy sounding. And then you just end up walking away from like your scroll and you're just like, well, now I hate myself. Like I realize I've been screwing everything up with my kids or whatever, but your account always is like, positive, encouraging. It's like, here's a small, easy thing that you can do, but like, no big deal. Do what works for your family. Like, I just, I love your vibe and like your attitude so much. I suggest your account to everybody. I just love everything that you say. So I just want to thank you so much for your account. Oh, you're welcome. I know I'm not for everyone, but I really try to take that realistic approach because if I weren't, I would feel like a complete imposter because it's not how I feed my kids. Like my kids get goldfish. Yes. Dogs cut up into little pieces, of course, but mm-hmm. like this is a real world. And, but yes, I always support however people want to feed their families and that's their choice at the end of the day. So. I love that. I love that. And so, you know, something that all of my listeners know is that I have spent years now healing from an eating disorder. And so I practice intuitive eating personally, and we've had on this podcast an intuitive eating dietitian. And so this is something that's so important to me in my life. And I want to instill that in my kids. But, you know, it's hard because it's like, I'm still like, well, yeah, you know, but I am their mom. So I still want to be like encouraging, like nutritious choices and things. And it can be hard to know, you know what I mean? Like, okay, like when should you push? When should you not? You know, things like that. So like, I just wanted to start really, really broad and just kind of ask you like, how can we help our kids have a healthy relationship with food? Oh, yes. I, you know, there's no like perfect answer to that. I think what I always tried to remind parents is like, our kids have been in this world for a few years, Mm -hmm. right? And we have been in this world for decades and we're still working on it. Mm. Like This is a constant work in progress. And you're going to have your, I hate the word good and bad. And we'll talk about that later, but like your good days and your bad days and all of that. But I think being a parent is really eye opening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> I like to call myself. Yes. I used to be super rigid with food. Um, a lot of dietitians, um, are, or they have had some kind of um, eating disorder in the past or some kind of reason why they're connected to food. Mm -hmm. And food is often a form of control for people. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, and especially as parents, we, we want our kids to eat healthy. We want them to make good choices. And so we find ourselves making those decisions for our kids a lot. When one of the best ways that you can help your child have a healthy relationship with food is to let them make those decisions and learn. However, that doesn't mean it's a free for all and you just open the pantry door and let your kids eat whenever and whatever. Mm-hmm. So I talk a lot about Ellen Satter, who she is a dietitian in the, the feeding world and she has the division of responsibility. So it's where the parent gets to decide the what, where, and when kids eat. So big part of that is we get to decide as parents what is available for our kids. Mm-hmm. And then the kids get to decide if and how much. 
And that can make us feel really uncomfortable to sit and watch our kids like either eat a lot more than we feel comfortable or that we think they should or barely touch anything and be okay with that. But I mean, there's a lot of other strategies along the way that we can help encourage them. But ultimately, we need to remember our roles as parents. We are here to guide them, yes, and provide options and role model. Mm -hmm. Modeling is huge. So if you are saying things, you don't like things or carbs are bad or sugar is bad, like kids learn from us. Mm -hmm. We're their parents. So we have to model trying new foods or being um, mindful of how we talk about food so that we're not ingraining that into their heads. We're not perfect though. We definitely, you know, <laughs> say things like, oh, shoot, I shouldn't have said that. Or we hear our kids say things and we're like, wait, do I talk about food like that? Or do I say that or do that? Whether it's with eating or whatever <laughs> other thing. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So you kind of mentioned before, like, okay, so like using the words good and bad with food. Mm-hmm. So should we avoid that? Like, what do you think about that? How can we label foods? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great question. I don't like using the word good and bad. I will tell you I do just unintentionally sometimes sure. do that, but I think it's more important to try and train our brains to talk more about just the food in general, instead of good or bad. Like we talk about this food is sweet or this food is green or this food is crunchy. Um, So it's not that a food, one food is good or bad by itself. Really, it's about a collective and variety, a a group of foods that really can determine if we have a healthy relationship with foods or or not. Like Mm -hmm. no one's perfect in getting in all their fruits and vegetables anyways. So yeah. Yeah, it, it it's a hard thing to to navigate sometimes. Totally. Um, I want to talk a little bit about. We don't have to go deep here, but I know that sure. you just did a live mm-hmm. and where you talked about eating disorders with kids, and you kind yes. of talked about like red flags and like how young they can start and things like that. Could you just give us like a little brief overview of yes. that? Just because I think it's so important for people to be aware of, obviously. It is. And we always think like, oh, that's not going to happen to my kids or they're too young. But I did a live with uh, the binge nutritionist and she focuses more with adults, but it really trickles down to kids too. And so we talked about how like being over restrictive can really kind of backfire. So when we have the best intentions to like not let our kids eat too many sweets or too much sugar or too many large portions, it can actually make them want it more, which then they don't learn how to like control how much they could overeat at the Mm -hmm. end, you know, because of that restrictiveness. Um, So a a red flag would be really, really just not necessarily for an eating disorder, but that maybe we're restricting too much is where they're constantly asking for it. They're constantly wanting, or they're obsessing over it. Well, then maybe we need to think about How can we incorporate this maybe a little bit more into meals or snacks so that they feel like they have access to it and they don't need to go overboard when it is present Mm -hmm. and we're not around because we won't be with our kids forever. Yeah. A lot when they're little, but not when they're in, you know, get older and they're in school. Mm -hmm. Um, But another red flag would be for more specifically eating disorders would be hiding food. Mm. If you find your child is hiding food in their room or somewhere, 
that might be, that's a red flag that like, oh, we need to have a conversation. We don't want to scold them for it, but let's just start a conversation about why or where can we eat these foods together instead of hiding them. Mm -hmm. Um, We also talked about, especially as they get older, they're starting to cut up their foods into little pieces or really, really taking tiny, tiny, tiny portions when they're able to make more independent choices with foods. So those are really big red flags, but dieting, especially with girls can start as early as like six, seven, eight years old. So I know it's, it's really sad, but we need to be really mindful of I'm watching for those things. Mm-hmm. I know it like, it seems so counterintuitive, right? Because it's like, you think like, well, I'm a parent, obviously, you know, like it's my job, whatever. And I think that all of a sudden we kind of like automatically assume that means that we have to really like restrict sugar. Yes. And sometimes there's like a badge that moms wear. Like, like when Matt moms will sometimes like proudly post on Instagram, like we only eat sugar like on Halloween and Christmas or whatever. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's yeah. actually, even though that seems great, that's probably going to backfire on you later because it's yeah. like you're making sugar like a God. Like it's like yes. this thing that you can only get. And so it's like, of course you're going to obsess about it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and the research shows like when we restrict it, it can minimize the like immediate intake, but it, it increases the fixation on it really long-term. So we, as parents, I mean, I view my role, like I'm supposed to keep my children safe. Yes. But I'm also supposed to set them up for success as an adult. Yeah. So we're helping them learn and gain experiences. And I use the analogy in that live with the binge nutritionist, like if we, we know how to do their math homework, that doesn't mean we do it for them. Yeah. We have to let them do it themselves and practice and learn and fail and learn and to be able to get better at it and to mm-hmm. actually, get, you know, to learn things. So we can't micromanage the amounts or types of foods. We can only provide for them options. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah, I love that. So let's talk about dessert. Kind of like yeah. springboarding off of this. Let's talk about dessert. Like, so yeah. obviously, you know, we've just said, like, it's not the type of thing where you should, like, never let your kids have dessert and, like, never have it around. But, like, what do we do with it? Right? Like, it's like, do we just put out, like, a gallon of ice cream and say, go to town? <laughs> like, what do you do with dessert? Sometimes. No, no, no. You know what? Uh, I have a lot of content on desserts with meals and it's really a hot topic for parents. And, and a lot of it stems from how we were brought up with it too. You know, a lot of us um, were told we can't have this until we eat this, but Mm -hmm. then how does that food that we have to eat first, how does our relationship with that feel? Well, this sucks. I got to eat this first before I get to the stuff I want to eat. And then I'm going to be too I'm going to actually be full, but I know I want to eat that. So I'm going to eat beyond my body and what I feel full. There's always room for dessert, right? Mm-hmm. Like, So why not put it on the plate so that we can make our own decisions and, and, and listen to our bodies and not push ourselves beyond. So I always talk about offering desserts with meals. That does not mean every single meal, right? right? So. I mean, working in school lunch too, I love to see when families would, um, from lunch from home, they'd put a little chocolate or a little sweet in there, like 
who doesn't like that? That's mm-hmm. great. You know, we're not, we're not res- over restricting it. Um, so if you can offer it with the meal, it kind of takes it off the pedestal that we put it on and kind of neutralizes it. And so that's really, really helpful. However, every once in a while, let your kids go to town, maybe on more so like on holidays and stuff where it is more accessible, like Halloween and, and Christmas and Easter and all these holidays with all the sugar. It's uh, so much. It is. And it's one after the next, right? Mm-hmm. But if we can offer it like consistently throughout and, and make it more normal, it doesn't seem like such a big deal when it is available. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that by offering desserts with meals, your child is going to no longer want sugar because they realize they don't need it. No, mm-hmm. it just helps minimize the obsession and the overindulgence that some of us adults are like trying to pedal backwards on, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Totally. I love the offering dessert with dinner. Like when I first read that on your page, this was months ago now, I was like, what? Like, you know know. what I mean? Like, I'm like, wait. (laughs) And then, but you think it through and you're like, that makes sense because you're right. Like if we're holding dessert over our kids' heads every Mm -hmm. single night at dinner, you have to finish your meatball, you have to finish your broccoli, you have to finish your whatever to get the dessert logically like, okay, so now we've put dessert on this pedestal and we've made Mm -hmm. all the other foods sound like junk. Like they're like, oh, now I have to eat this to get to that. So you're right. Like what kind of message is that sending? But it's such, Mm -hmm. it's so trippy when you first hear this concept, (laughs) like you're like, no, like you could never do that. You can't give them dessert with their meal, but it's so funny. So we've been doing this for months now with our kids Mm -hmm. and my older daughter always naturally eats whatever she wants of her dinner. Stops when she's full, then eats the dessert. She just does that. My three-year-old eats the dessert first every time, then goes Mm -hmm. on to her meal. And at first, that would like stress me out. Like I was like, oh, she ate the cookie first. But then it's like, but she's then eating the meatball and the broccoli. What does it really matter? You know what I mean? Like what does the order really matter? You know? So what if though we have a kid who, let's say we we put their dinner down in front of them and on their plate is an Oreo and some meatball and some spaghetti and a vegetable. And they eat the Oreo and then they're like throwing a fit for more dessert and they're refusing to eat their dinner. Like, what do you do? What do you say? Yes, I know this is challenging. I can say this happens in my house for sure. So there's a lot of things you want to think about. It's like, okay, so what else have they eaten throughout the day? Like, Mm -hmm. is it the end of the world to give them another cookie? Not, not necessarily. Um, But the other thing we want to think about is maybe we just need to offer more with the meal so that they feel they have control over it. Because food, like I said, is a big control thing for our kids. Mm -hmm. They don't have control over a lot of things in their life. And I know that only eating the Oreo is like, makes us feel super, super uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But what is one meal going to do? Is this at every single meal they're, they're requesting this and needing this and wanting this? then we maybe need to peel back some layers a little bit more and dig a little bit deeper. But one thing I recommend is offering meals family style so that you give your child some autonomy, one to scoop all the other things onto their plate, but also you put like two or three portions of a dessert on a plate and Mm -hmm. that is accessible for everyone. And this teaches kids how to share, how to leave some for others. And it also lets them know that they have access to more than just this one restrictive portion. It, you can certainly just offer one and that's it. Like some, mm-hmm. that's all that's available. 
Um, and it's okay for them to be a little bit upset about that. But I love the family style aspect of it because it gives kids, oh, I can have two or three. And then when it's gone, it's gone. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, it, and that's a learning opportunity for kids too. I like to get the mini versions of things though. So it seems like they get more, but like not really, you know, like yeah. they're Oreos or cupcakes or whatever it is. Um, or like mini ice cream treats too. I love getting those novelty sized foods. Um, totally. But you know, it's when our kids are really upset in those situations, it's like, we want to fix their problems and we want them to one stop whining because it's like, oh my gosh. But like, mm-hmm. also we, we don't want them to be upset, mm-hmm. but it's okay for them to have emotions mm-hmm. and tell they're feeling. I know you really want another cookie. I love cookies. What's your favorite kind of cookie? Let's get more, let's put it on the grocery list and let's go get some more this week and we'll have them again soon. Mm-hmm. They still might be upset. Mm-hmm. That's okay. You can also try to redirect them to something else on their plate. Mm-hmm. Doesn't always work, but like, hey, you have noodles and you have broccoli. Do you want to put some Parmesan cheese on your broccoli or noodles or broccoli? Mm-hmm. So you're trying to redirect them to something else. Like I said, doesn't always work, but acknowledging and redirecting can be a helpful tool in parenting in general. So totally, you know, I've seen you talk about the family style thing so much on your mm-hmm. page and I'm scared to try it because I'm a control freak. Yeah, like legit, but- like I, but and I, I can call that out. Like I realize, like I, <laughs> I look at it. I'm like, I should do this. And I'm like, but what if I put all the stuff on the table and it's yep. like Emerson only takes just pasta and she doesn't take any vegetable and she doesn't take any protein and she just eats then like pasta and three cookies, like then what? And that, that makes me sweat. I know. Yeah. (laughs) And you certainly don't have to do it with every meal, but it really gives kids ownership over choosing things and they're more invested in it. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how they'll, they'll try things when they get to be involved. But yes, a lot of this is more about us. (laughs) Yeah. We feel about things and not wanting there to be a mess and, Mm -hmm that's too many dishes. And trust me, it is more dishes when you do it family style. But one tip I have when your child doesn't want to put something on their plate, you can either do uh, have them scoop it onto your plate because then that's still getting them more comfortable with that food and seeing that you're going to eat it, which goes back to that modeling. So that's really, really helpful. Or another thing I'll do is I'll put like a regular spoon into dish and then I'll put like a teeny tiny little spoon or a food pick so that if they want to have a little taste, they can just have that little taste Mm -hmm. instead of the bigger spoon, which can seem overwhelming to kids sometimes. But I know it makes us feel really uncomfortable, but I always challenge parents to try it and see what happens. You never know. (laughs) I really, really do. Like, I really think that it would be so helpful for my three-year-old. Cause like we're for sure in like this three-nager phase where I truly believe that when we are having a mealtime battle with her, it has mm-hmm. nothing to do with the food and everything yeah. to do with control. And I think oh, that yeah. you're so right that, cause it's not like she's a picky eater in the mm-hmm. sense that like she's, she'll never put her mouth on a vegetable. Like she will when right. she's in a good mood, you know what I mean? But then when mm-hmm. she's irritated at me for something, then she won't. So it's right. like, I do think the family style thing, again, it's like the offering dessert with the dinner thing. It does mm-hmm. make so much sense because it's like, you're telling your kid like, you get to make so few 
decisions throughout your day. You know what I mean? Like everything is decided for you. Here's your opportunity. Here's the food. I'm going to model for you what I'm taking, you know, Mm -hmm. and daddy's going to take what he's taking or whoever's eating with us, you know, if grandma's over, whoever. Mm -hmm. And like, you're giving them the opportunity to have that autonomy. And I really do see how that could be so effective. Yeah. I'm going to push myself. It's all like leading towards them trying to teach them to be more comfortable at trying new foods and more adventurous. And so when we give them those opportunities to explore foods and not even like eat them, but just explore them, that's huge. Um, And eventually liking them. So, yes. And, And I always tell parents, like, it's not your job for to decide what goes in their mouth like, right. Or what yeah. they eat. it's your job to provide it. And so, you know, if you can take that expectation off and like a lot of families are uncomfortable with that, but I said, commit to it for a short amount of time, Yeah, two weeks or a month and just see how it goes. And if it's really, truly, you don't want to do it anymore, then you don't have to, mm-hmm. you can try it temporarily. Totally. Totally. Absolutely. Now I am guilty of, I will say, so like we've been doing the dessert with dinner thing for months. Like I am a huge proponent of it. Love it. Suggest it to everyone. But I am guilty of still sometimes like using dessert as a reward when we're like Mm -hmm. out and about, like we're at Target. I'm like, if you're really good and you let me get this done, I'll get you a cake pop or Mm -hmm. something like that. And then I realize, like, is that bad? Like, should I not be using like a dessert as a reward? What do you think about that? Yeah. So I, my philosophy is to try not to use desserts as rewards, but again, like I do it too sometimes, like potty training, what I I know like to, but sometimes you just do what works. Mm -hmm. So I think it depends how you are viewing desserts and sweets and treats overall. Like, are you doing that and restricting it at mealtimes and micromanaging how much they have and making them eat so much before they get it? Like, then that, then I would say, all right, we need to redo some things here. But yeah, I totally get that. And I guess one thing I would focus on and what I have learned by following like other parenting influencers is not necessarily like, if you're good, you get this, right? Because then they're associating, oh, I'm good. I get a treat, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a treat. Sure. It's hard to go around those words, mm-hmm. but it is, it's a treat. It's fun. Um, maybe it's, if you listen mm-hmm. and, you know, you stay in the cart, uh, you know, giving them an action, like to specific instead of like, if you're good or like, if you're bad, you don't get one, you know? Yeah. So I too am trying to train my brain around that good and bad language mm-hmm. to anything with our kids. So. Yeah, no, you're right. That's so true. It's it, That's important. But I just went to Target the other weekend with my daughter. I took her school clothes shop or school supply shopping and she wanted a cake pop and we got one and we yeah. got chocolate and, you know, like it was fun. And so mm-hmm. those moments are important too, where they get to experience that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it is, of, of course, like it's balanced and it's like that. Mm-hmm. It's a fun memory for them to go to Target with you and get a cake pop and right. you know what I mean? So No, that's so true. What do you think about organic products? Mm. Like, are we horrible people if we don't buy organic? Should we be buying organic? Like, what is the, what's your take on this? I say whatever makes you feel more comfortable, do that for your family. You get to choose what you want to eat and what foods. I do not prioritize organic with my family. 
One, because cost. Sometimes it's like three times the amount. So what I don't want parents and families to do is to eat less of things that still provide valuable nutrition just because it's not organic. Yeah. So don't want people to feel bad because they're not eating organic and they should. There's a lot of shame and fear around that unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want parents to worry about it. it. At the end of the day, we have to think about like the value that is in the food that we're getting. And really, I always say like the dose at which whatever it is, the fear of whatever ingredients we're eating, it's probably not that big of a deal. Now, I don't want to like say that it's bad or good or anything like that, but if fruits and vegetables, organic or not, are important to eat. So Mm -hmm. I just want you to eat more fruits and vegetables, whether they're organic or conventional, but no, I don't, I really don't prioritize that in what I teach or talk about or for my family either. You get to choose. Love that. Love that. How should we react if our kid who has always loved, you know, Mm -hmm. blank food, like whatever, maybe we make eggs really often for breakfast and they love eggs, like Mm -hmm. with their breakfast in the morning. And then all of a sudden they hate them. They can't, they won't touch them. They won't take a bite out of it. Like, what do we do? Yeah. So this goes back to that control thing. Sometimes it has nothing to do with them not actually liking the eggs. It's that they're trying to find a way to control their environment and their situations. So what I would avoid saying is, oh, you like eggs. Don't say that. Like, Mm -hmm. I know you like eggs. Like, don't try to tell them that because then they'll push back more. You're right. I usually go to the phrase like, that's okay. You don't have to eat them. This is what's for breakfast today. And then you could, you can also ask them questions. I really encourage parents to ask questions to their kids instead of telling them like that you like this. Why don't you like it today? What don't you like about it? It might be something as silly as like, I don't like yellow today or something. You know, it's it's hard to know what's going on inside their heads. Mm -hmm. Ask them questions or like, what can we put on it that you might like? Would you like cheese or... In my house, we do ketchup on eggs. I know that's like super weird for some people. My dad, we grew up like that. Oh my goodness. My dad loves that. <laughs> yep. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. So, you know, asking questions um, instead of trying to tell them what you already know. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's hard, but just try not to make a big deal about it. And then tomorrow they'll like it again, probably. Yeah. I love that how you said that we can just be like, okay, but like, this is what's for breakfast. I love yeah. that because you, <laughs> I think that so many times, like we feel like, no, I got to make them something else. And then no, you're a diner. Okay. Yes. Tell me about that. Okay. So if your kid is <laughs> no, refusing no, something. No. I really, I really don't want parents to make separate meals because that's a lot of work for you. Yeah. It's also not teaching our kids to try new foods. Like if mom's going to make me something else, why would I eat something that I don't really want? Right. I'm just going to ask for what I really want. And then I'm going to get that. Like they're smart. They figure that stuff yeah. out. And like I said, it's not your job to decide how much and if they eat. It's their job. It's your job to provide. So yeah, you got to take that expectation off. So please don't make separate meals. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. But as long as you provide at least one food you know they like, Mm -hmm. maybe they don't like it today, (laughs) but one you are pretty sure they like and will eat, then at least there's maybe something on that, that plate. Whether it's a fruit, 
or, you know, the super um, dependable carbohydrate rich cracker or something mm-hmm. like that. So yeah. Don't make okay. Me- yeah. What do you think about like giving them an option for breakfast? Like if you're like, do you want eggs or do you want waffles? Like, is that bad to do that? Or is that good? Like, what do you think? No, I think that's great actually. So I have a picky eater course and there's, I have like seven solid strategies I go through. And one of them is called providing options. Mm -hmm. So you are choosing what's available, Mm -hmm. but you're giving them a say in it. So I do that with my kids a lot in the morning. I think I did it yesterday. Would you like pancakes or waffles? Mm -hmm. They chose pancakes. So they're getting a choice and that autonomy is there. So it's different than being like, what do you want for breakfast? Right? Like, oh my gosh, like, what are they going to say? Totally. You know, you know, so you're providing the options they're choosing. That's, I think that's a great way to include them. I love that. Okay, good. Okay. This is a huge one for me because this is a struggle in my house. Okay. Snacks. Okay. My, my three-year-old would snack all the day long. Mm -hmm. She loves (laughs) snacks. So like, what do we do with this? Like, because, you know, I do limit her snack consumption, but then sometimes I get nervous that like, am I being restrictive? Is that going to lead to binging later? Like it's this whole war in my mind. So like, Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on snacking? Like, when is it okay to say no? Like, yes. Oh, that's what I'm talking about all this week, actually. Uh, And I just came out with a super simple snack guide. So love that. Yeah. So it's like 30 Um, pages of like snack ideas and like when to say no or how to mm -hmm. handle the want to snack every single, like every five minutes. Right. Yes. So we have to start at the beginning where we have mealtime structure. So I'm always asking parents when they say they're snacking all day or they're not eating anything at at mealtime. Are you, do you have a mealtime schedule? Kids really should eat every two to three hours because that allows them to come to the table actually hungry and ready to eat more variety and maybe try new foods Mm -hmm. versus if they're kind of grazing throughout the day, they actually like fill up Mm -hmm. on not as nutrient dense things or not as much variety. And then they don't really, they're not really feeling hungry or full. So they're not going to eat much at mealtime. So if you can help them eat every two to three hours. And that's why like parents will always say they eat so well at school and at daycare, but they don't eat dinner at home or they don't eat at home. That's because school and daycare has a lot more structure than we do at home. Yeah. Thrive on structure. So when we have that, it's so much better for them at come mealtime. They're more willing to come and to eat um, however, how does that stop this, the snack requests in between, right? <laughs> so it, depending on the age of the child too, it will, it will vary. But for like, even at three-year-olds with my three and five-year-old, I'll often say, you know, the kitchen's closed. I love using that phrase. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, it's not snack time right now. And then you, so you, you can acknowledge the request. I know you want a snack, but the kitchen is closed would you like to color or play outside? So you redirect them to different activities or maybe you even bring them over to something different. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't always work, mm-hmm. but uh, more often than not, it can help. Um, so they get to know their schedule too. So after we take a nap, we have a snack. Mm-hmm. 
Um, instead of saying, no, you don't get a snack or no, you just ate, right? Like, and eh, that's not helpful all the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I sometimes do. So I try to say avoid getting snacks when it's not snack time or meal time. Yeah. However, like I am totally guilty of just throwing them a granola bar and being like, okay, whatever. Like I need to get something done right now. So just do it. Like totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that though. Like the schedule, you're right. Like mm-hmm. I do think that that's so important because it's predictable for them. You know what I mean? So you can like, and I love that, that like we can be empowered to say like the kitchen is closed. Like obviously our children are not going to starve to death if we say that to them. Like they literally were just offered lunch 30 minutes ago. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they're Mm -hmm. clearly not starving. Mm -hmm. Like you can have a snack when you get up from nap or whatever. You know what I mean? Or you know that like after we do this activity, we always have a snack or whatever the heck. So yeah. And I actually have like a visual too. I have a free guide where it's like you create a schedule with your kids and you can cut out different pictures of activities so that they can see the visual of what they do. That really helped me with bedtime, actually doing oh, a yeah. like that so that first we do this, then we do that, then we do this. And then next comes that so that they kind of know what to expect and have some control again. Right. It comes back mm-hmm. to control. And, you know, the research out there really shows too, like grazing, they actually eat like fewer calories and less. And it seems like they're eating a lot throughout the day, but it's actually, they're eating less. And so mm. they have such little bellies and that we really want to maximize meal times and snack times, like structured meal times. So we want to avoid grazing if we can. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I love that. And I also love that I saw like in your snack guide that you give good ideas for snacks. Cause I think that's something Mm. that I'm really guilty of too, is that I'll just give them goldfish as a snack, but that's not like a complete snack. (laughs) I've done it too. (laughs) Explain that. Like what's like a complete snack as opposed to just like. Yeah. So there's no like hard official rule out there, you know, but there's also, um, there is some, some things that you can do to set yourself up for a really good solid snack that's going to keep them fuller longer. So how I always approach snack, well, one, I like to avoid the naked carbohydrate. That's what I call the naked carbs. Love that. Fish. Like, yes, it's carbohydrates, our body main, body's main source of energy, but they're going to be hungry pretty quick then afterwards because mm-hmm. we go through it really quickly. So we want to pair things together. We want to pair different food groups. So my super simple snack strategy is a fruit or a vegetable, one or the other, or both, with a protein or fat or grain. So Mm. we're always trying to incorporate a fruit or vegetable if you can. And that might be in different forms too. It's Mm. not always, it doesn't always have to be fresh, but we know we don't eat enough fruits and vegetables. So if we can leverage snack time that kids usually really like, then we're providing more exposure, more opportunity for them to eat it. So always a fruit or vegetable with a protein, fat, or grain. And you, so always at least two different of those food groups, one or the other from those two, but you can do more. You can do a snacky meal with, you know, a bunch of options, Mm -hmm. but you want to avoid just doing one food group or one item if possible. Leverage snack times, definitely. That's really smart, actually. Leverage snack times. Like, mm-hmm. duh. I why like for me, I always think of snacks as like throwaway for the kids, right? So right. it's just like, like a prepackaged, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But you're yep. right. Like 
like thinking of my three-year-old specifically, like if I know that she is like a flipping snack monster, like she loves snack time, <laughs> like maximize it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like give her like fruits, vegetables, like things mm-hmm. like that with the goldfish or whatever. Because exactly. I know that that's really what she wants and be yeah. like, this is your snack, you know? Yeah. And, this and maybe is what it more is. of the goldfish and not as much, you know, if they don't love vegetables, then you mm-hmm. do it amount you know it's okay to I always say to the foods that they really love it's okay to give them a little bit more and mm-hmm. the they don't love so much you know tinier portions so it's not as overwhelming it's not as wasteful um but yeah view you really should view snacks as like mini meals yeah to view it mm-hmm. mm, that's smart I love that yep um so you kind of already touched on this, but I just want you to like blatantly say it. Like, what do you think about like the clean plate club? Like mm-hmm. you got to finish your meal. Nope. You didn't eat enough. Like, what do you think about that? It's no longer a cool club to be in. Not that you have to be cool by any, yeah. but no, I really, I don't like the clean plate club. I myself am trying to get out of it where I just like, I have a little bit more on my plate. I'm just going to finish it. Even though I'm super full, like, And then I regret that. Like, I want my kids to know that they don't have to forcefully eat a certain amount because especially as parents, like we think they need a certain amount of food. Yeah. But even as a dietitian who I understand portion sizes for kids, like most of us don't know like truly what they need. It's just what we think they need. Mm -hmm. We have to try to let our kids be the boss of their body Mm -hmm. and what feels good to them. And sometimes they're not going to eat enough for what, you know, they don't realize they're not full until later. Mm -hmm. That's a great opportunity to talk to them about that. It sounds like you're still hungry. Well, what did you eat at dinner? What can we do next time? So your belly is more full again, asking them questions and not telling them you should have ate more at dinner. Mm -hmm. These are all learning experiences that are going to help set them up for success. So no, I really don't encourage the clean plate club. And um, when I am around, you know, family and stuff that with my kids, they're like, oh, you got to eat more or oh, you got to drink all your milk. I always let them know that's OK, honey. You just drink as much as you'd like, you know. And so I reassure them that they don't have to do that instead of scolding that mm-hmm. person, you know, to maybe in private. I'll talk about it. But. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Totally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't know. I just like love that so much because it is like, again, with like the choice, you know what I mean? It's like, you're Mm -hmm. trying to teach your kid, like you can listen to your body, like you can trust yourself. And I think that we're so scared, like, especially someone like me, I'm a control freak, right? So I'm Mm -hmm. scared that it's like, if I just like let her choose, she'll have one bite and then she's going to be starving. But like you said, it's a good learning opportunity. It is. And another thing, I saw you talk about this the other day and I was like, that is such a good point. I struggle with food waste. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, she only ate a little bit of this, but it's like not going to save well, like whatever it is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? (laughs) There's so much waste. Like, oh, this makes me so mad. This makes me so mad. She wastes so much food. But you compared it to like, we do crafts with our kids all the time. We let our kids like scribble all over like millions Mm -hmm. of like coloring books and pieces of paper and crayons and friggin' popsicle sticks and all this stuff. (laughs) And it's like, it is waste. Hello. Like, it's Mm -hmm. not like it's a Monet. Like, you know, it's like, it's gonna end up like in a garbage at some point. <laughs> and you know? then, yeah, and you adjust, right? Too. Yes. That's why you serve less of the things they like and a little bit more of the things they love so that you aren't wasting a bunch of things. And that's a good opportunity to talk to them too about like, 
oh, it looks like you put a big, really big scoop on your plate, but didn't eat all of it. Like, what should we do next time? Like, mm-hmm. that's so valuable, helping them problem solve those things. Yeah. Like, ideas, you know, more than them probably learning how to read at three years old, you know, like problem solving. Oh, it's hard at that age. Yeah. No, but you're right. Like, if it's like, if we're letting them, you know, make these decisions about their food to mm. a degree, obviously we're the parent. Yes. Hello. But you know, like, exactly not a free for all, but if we're giving them small little options and if it leads mm-hmm. to like a little bit more food waste than we're comfortable with, if it's in the name of them learning to mm-hmm. learning for themselves, like how much tends to satisfy them or, or things like that, like right. that's a good thing. That's our ultimate goal is mm-hmm. to help them learn and be able to like make a good judgment call for their own body. Right. Definitely. And I know not everyone has the resources to waste food. So you have to take in your own family situation into consideration, but then maybe again, it goes back to maybe we need to be giving them a little bit less than wasting and they can always have more too. And that's hard for kids as well. But you know, one thing we started doing is we started composting too, so that a little bit better, but um, so it's, it's not wasteful. It's going back into something that again, my kids get to learn about too. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. But you know, I for sure give my kids way too big of portions. Like, (laughs) uh, cause like when I see like things that I, I don't know, I saw a post the other day, it must've been you. I don't know, but it was saying that like, like, you know, an actual like portion size for like a toddler is like half an Mm -hmm. egg or like something like that. And I was like, oh my gosh, like Mm -hmm. I'm expecting them to eat so much more than their body can really handle. And so it's like, honestly, my fault that we have food waste. You know what I mean? Like just give them less. Yeah, no, definitely start with less. It's so much less. We're just, we have adult portions in our mind and even, totally. even know what adult portions are. I kind of mm-hmm. portion sizes really like yeah. down there, there for a guide and they're important. They have value, but like, I really try to avoid portion sizes for mm-hmm. that. We fixate too much on it. Right. It's totally, mm-hmm. totally. Do you think there's any foods that should be completely off limits for kids? It depends on the age. Um, it depends on the family, I will say. Um, number one, like choking hazards are one of my main concerns for kids because that's like life threatening. Um, and, you know, sometimes people don't take it very seriously, but, and, and sometimes do I give my kids foods that are, in, you know, a choking hazard? Like, yeah, it, it happens. It doesn't mean they're going to choke, but it increases their the likelihood. Um, so that's usually like eight four and under are the main choking hazards. Um, food allergies, you know, avoiding your allergen, of course, like that. And sometimes we don't know it until it happens. With mm-hmm. kids. But, you know, when we talk about really little kids, one and under, you really don't want to offer any honey because of infant botulism, mm-hmm. um, cow's milk, like straight up cow's milk um, as a beverage, just because it's not just developmentally, their, their guts are not able to manage those foods and it increases their, the risk of, of safety for them. Mm-hmm. But, um, then we have the concern of sugar, right? Like, um, the recommendation for two and under is zero grams of added sugar, which personally and professionally, I find very unrealistic. Yeah. <laughs> um, great to strive for. And if that's what your family does, great. But we have to think about, okay, well, what am I sacrificing? Yeah. Piece of that and like what relationship am I developing with it um after they're two, right? Yeah. Um, 
And then when you have an older kid, like it makes it even more impossible to Mm -hmm. do. Um, So I just really try to take a a realistic approach to to minimize it where you can compare different brands um, to see where you can find lower amounts. But, Mm -hmm. you know, other than that, I think I really all foods can fit into a healthy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I always stress variety, like one food alone is not bad. Mm -hmm. Um, It's what are we eating collectively that really makes a difference in our health. So, yeah, no, I love that. What about condiments? I mean, you mentioned that you guys have them like that's fine, right? Would you say? Yes. I mean, like, so again, when we get to that two and under, we're also looking at sodium, which condiments Mm -hmm. usually have a lot of sodium and some added sugar. We really want to minimize that. But my philosophy is a like specifically a vegetable with a dip is better than no vegetable at all. Yeah. Uh, so if dips and condiments help your child learn to try new foods and be more adventurous and eat more variety, by all means, do it. Like it's just a fun like action, like dipping, right? Mm-hmm. Make your child eat a cucumber than just it lying there by itself, you know, not as flavorful. So. Totally. I love that. That leads me into my next question, which is what about like, I'm sure there are people listening to this that are like, yeah, but you don't understand. Like my kids are completely vegetable averse. Like they will not eat a vegetable. I've offered it in like different Mm -hmm. shapes and sizes and forms and blah. Like they won't do it. Like what do we do for our kids who won't eat vegetables? You keep offering them. And I know that sounds like, oh, that's not a solution, but you have to keep exposing them to it because maybe on that hundredth try, they actually eat it. And so you also have to be modeling it. Like if you're not eating it, why would they eat it? Totally. They they definitely eat foods that we don't like or enjoy, but offering dips with it is huge. Um, And putting like teeny tiny portions on their plate is Mm -hmm. is really important. And then if they're not eating it, ask them questions about it. Mm -hmm. I always encourage families to focus on the sensory aspect of the food. So what color is it? What does it smell like? What does it taste like? Mm -hmm. Um, Can you pop this pea in your mouth? Like, and you show them and Mm -hmm. love to do copy you what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to help them be curious about the food without them, even the expectation that they're going to eat it. And then Mm -hmm. sometimes they eat it. Um, And then, the other part that I think families forget about and don't take advantage of because one, we're control freaks and don't want a lot of mess and it's just too much work. I've been there too. Um, is getting your kids involved in the kitchen mm-hmm. because they sometimes will try things when they're helping you like stir and sprinkle things on and, and sometimes even cutting with like kids safe knives. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't even try when it's on their plate. Yeah. On their plate. It's so much different than when it's like we're playing with it and we're engaging with it in meal prep. So that's a big one. Trying. Yeah. Huge. That is huge. What about for people that have kids that are like genuinely and truly picky eaters? Like they will only eat chicken fingers and macaroni Mm -hmm. and cheese and that's it. And it's like this parent knows that like even if they go to a play date, they're not going to eat it. Like, you know what I mean? Like what, what should parents do for like genuinely picky eaters? Yeah. Well, I think always too, um, we should never assume that they're not going to eat something, but there does come a time where some kids are truly picky eaters and they might have what we call pediatric feeding disorder or ARFID different actual diagnoses for 
relationships with food, essentially. So if that's the case, if your child is eating less than 20 foods, if they omit certain food groups or specific types of foods, like let's say they will not eat white colored food or mm. what red or whatever it is, or if like mealtimes are simply like it is a battle every single time, it's stressful for you and for them, that's really um, important to consider. And then also their overall growth, you know, that that isn't the only indicator, like just because a child is healthy looking and um, doesn't mean that they don't need some more support. Mm-hmm. That's when we need to work with like professionals one-on-one, um, mm-hmm. a collective of like your pediatrician, a registered dietitian, um, an SLP, speech language pathologist, and uh, occupational therapist. So Typically, that's where we we would start what we call feeding therapy to help them be more comfortable. This is where we take away the expectation truly that they need to eat food and we just need them to be more comfortable around food. Yeah. And we're making small, teeny tiny changes. If all they'll eat is a chicken nugget, then we need to change the brand of the chicken nugget and then a different shape of the chicken nugget. Um, So we need to get them used to change in small, teeny tiny ways before we can expect them to eat a huge variety. So it is yeah. very slow forms of progress and that's hard, but it, it really is what what's important for that child when we're talking about that severity. Yeah, that makes sense. Totally, mm-hmm. totally. So listen, we covered like so much. Is there anything <laughs> glaring that you're like, I always make sure to tell people this, or do you feel like we kind of hit the important stuff? Yeah. I think we hit a lot of the important stuff, but you know, like I always go back to like, you can feel guilty for like, oh my gosh, I'm giving my kids goldfish or a pouch and like you're in public and I shouldn't be doing this. And what is this parent thinking about this? Like you're their parent, you get to decide what you feed your kids and you shouldn't feel bad for that. So, Mm. you know, I always want to empower parents to, to not feel that guilt and shame because there's so, so much of it. Yeah. Holy cow. (laughs) Totally. Totally. I love that. I love that. So listen, we know we can find you on Instagram Mm -hmm. at the family nutritionist and your account is amazing. It's so information, but what other things do you offer? I know you offer a course, like what can people like get from you? Yeah. So I also have a blog where I post, um, helpful information on different topics. So often that like I get questions from parents. Um, so that's actually at, um, my family nutritionist. Okay. A family nutritionist taken, but nutritionist.com. <laughs> um, and yeah, I have, I just came out with a super simple snack guide. So it's got over 50 different snack combos. Plus I include like my favorite package snacks. Like I feel good about feeding my kids. And so I have that. I also have some guides on introducing solids for, um, for babies. Amazing. Um, and yeah, a bunch of free things to help. Oh, one that's super helpful, um, is a constipation guide. So foods to help your kids poop because holy, yes, that's tough. So, yeah. That's amazing. Things too, just to help parents. So yeah. Instagram, my website, Yeah, that's... Love that. We will link all of this in the show notes, everybody. But listen, we always end every episode by asking our guests, what is your favorite snack right now? And this is so perfect because you're a dietitian. Hello. Oh my gosh, putting me on the spot. (laughs) Oh, like when I actually take the time to snack because I'm, I'm notorious and so bad at like actually sitting down to eat sometimes. I'm so busy. 
Like I love just like apple slices and peanut butter. Like so that good. sweet and like salty combination is just perfect. I love that. It's a classic and it's so filling. Uh-huh. It is. There you go. It's a super simple snack. (laughs) Amazing. Alex, I cannot thank you enough. This was so good. I'm going to re-listen to this several times because there's so (laughs) much good information here. You are awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CaitlinElliott.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, if you want to toss us a five-star rating, I would love you forever. Check us out next week for another new episode. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at so.what.else. Editing and all that stuff by Matt Carpenter with Parable Productions. Parable Productions.